Gamecocks Now. It's the ultimate USC sports newsletter. Get inside access to all Carolina sports year-round. Written by Post and Courier reporter David Kloniger, Gamecocks Now includes insights and experience from his over 20 years on the beat. You won't find this from anyone else. Plus, subscribers get access to all Carolina and Clemson sports stories on the Post and Courier's website. Start your two-week free trial today at postandcourier.com slash Gamecocks Now. How's it going, everybody? David Kloniger with the Post and Courier and Gamecocks now welcoming you to another edition of Countdown to Kickoff. Uh, obviously, a very big win for South Carolina last week, 40-17 to 17 over the Florida Gators. And now the Gamecocks are going into a game at Missouri with suddenly the whole season right back out in front of them. Uh, I'd like to uh, welcome my guest today, a USC receiver from 2004 to 2005. You better know him as Pops. Tim Frisbee. Pops, how you doing? I'm doing great. How's everything going out there, Dave? Not too bad, my man. I appreciate you joining me here today. Uh, what's going on with you in your life these days? Uh, I'm doing the same thing, working. Uh, I work for the Attorney General here in, uh, at the State House there, and uh, everything's going great. I run the Valor program down there, so uh, we kind of go all over the state helping veterans, wills, power of attorneys, things like that, so uh, uh, supporting our veteran community. That's terrific. My man. Let's get into it. I mean, coming into the game last week against Florida, we knew that the Gators were kind of a reeling team. We knew that the Gamecocks were coming off a bye week and thought there may be a chance for USC to pull this one out. Did you expect them to win and win in that fashion? Oh, I was definitely hoping we would win, but I, I did, like everybody else, I didn't expect us to win uh, in the fashion that we did. Uh, you know, both teams, you know, kind of come in, came in the game reeling. Uh, both had opportunities to uh, fold their tents and kind of call it a season. And South Carolina's, you know, stood up, uh, kind of, uh, you know, raised their back and uh, had a great game, something that we were kind of uh, hoping and expecting all season. That's the thing, Pop. Obviously, the, the question about USC this year has been the offense, and you, you don't expect much after having eight games of the same thing. Yet, the Gamecocks come into this game, they're blocking better, the running game is working, and then playing their third quarterback of the season, everything just clicks. Have you ever seen something like that happen where maybe it's just one new guy or one new scheme, and all of a sudden everything's better? Uh, not to that extent uh, where they uh, came out and put up the most points uh, that they've scored against uh, Florida. But at the same time, I, I think it came down to South Carolina really simplifying things. Uh, I think they simplified things on offense, you know, kind of uh, block the guy in front of you and, uh, you know, and let's get this on. And I, I think that simplification really helped this team. That's one thing. So I was looking at a lot of it, and I had John Strickland on uh, last week. I don't think it's – if you didn't see that one. But being a former offensive lineman, Strickland was saying, it just seems like the schemes aren't working. They're, they're doing a lot of things that just don't really open up that running game. They were doing a lot of zone blocking, where here they went into more gap scheme, more man-on-man, -man, more put a hat on a hat. What did you see from a guy who, who played on the offensive side of the ball? What was the biggest change that they had? Right, absolutely. I, I thought they, they, they kind of did the same thing uh, that uh, John was uh, saying, that they actually uh, were running a more of a gap scheme, like I said, blocking the guy in front of them, uh, which allows, which was allowing the running backs to kind of uh, to see the hole, whereas before they were kind of reacting to, uh, to the defense already being in the backfield. Uh, so that that was a problem all season long. And, uh, you know, on last Saturday, they were able to see things in front of them. And uh, that helped that running game a heck of a lot. And we saw two 100-yard rushers produced from that. 
Yeah, two 100-yard rushers, and we all knew coming into the season, South Carolina had that capability really for every game just because they had four guys who could really tote the ball for them. Yet this was the first time that they actually came out and did it. Of course, Zaquandre Wright's been running the ball really well all season, which creates the question, why wasn't he seen for about four games in the middle of the year? And then Kevin Harris really got on track. Speaking specifically of Harris Pops, I mean, just – it seems to me he's he's running hard, but maybe he's just a step too slow from what we saw last year. Do you think that's part of that back surgery recovery that he that he had? Yeah, I mean he looks good. He looks physical. I I don't necessarily think uh, it was a problem with the back surgery. I think it was more of a problem with the scheme. Uh, you know, here's a guy that that's used to kind of uh, picking whether uh, immediately whether he wants to run through the tack uh, run between the tackles or bounce to the outside. Uh, and he was kind of having that dictated for him based on how the offensive line was playing. So he was kind of running right into a brick wall, and yeah. that's not his running style. Uh, you know, like I said, he likes to see things in front of him and then kind of pick and choose where he's going. And then, of course, Tim, the, uh, the big story was Jason Brown, uh, third-string quarterback coming into the year. He was elevated to backup for the first couple of games until Luke Doty got up, and then he was back down to third string. To his credit, he kept staying in there in practice, working hard, doing what he needed to do. Then he got to go out there. What were you expecting to see from Jason, and then what did you see from Jason against Florida? Right. Well, well I was expecting and hoping that we'd see uh, his mobility uh, affect the game. Uh, it looks for Jason that the game uh, slowed down for him a heck of a lot since the beginning of the season. And by, you know, in, in those terms, in football terms, slowing down just means he's seeing a lot more things on the field. He's able to go through his progressions. The offensive line uh, blocked a heck of a lot better than it's been blocking all season. So it allowed him to go through those uh, progressions. And when he was not able to, he was able to escape the pocket, use the mobility uh, that our quarterbacks have not been able to do all season. And that added to it and uh, added a different threat. That's one thing, Pops, just looking at it, you know, you heard about Jason. He really hadn't played that much. But talking with Marcus Satterfield and other offensive coaches about him, they said our strategy with him is just let him go. Get him out on the field. Let him do what he does. Obviously, a good running game helps him. But if you just kind of let him settle in, He's going to do something that is going to help the team win. And that's what I saw. It's not like they called a lot of designed run plays for him, but they would let him scramble if he needed to, to extend plays, none bigger than that touchdown throw to Josh Van. Now, Pops, I know you've seen some busted coverages in your time, but have you ever seen a guy running that open and catch a touchdown off of it? No, I, I would have loved to be, be running that open all the time. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that was something else. And, and to uh, Brown's credit also – he threw the ball away when he was supposed to throw the ball away, didn't force passes. Now, this guy's known kind of like a, a, at St. Francis as a, a gunslinger type, yep. but you don't want him to be a gunslinger type, for instance, like a Jameis Winston where he's forcing balls into tight windows and stuff. He did a good job protecting the ball on Saturday, and we're going to need that going forward. Oh, absolutely. And that, that brings us perfectly up to next week or, or this coming week. Missouri, a team that, you know, had had a little bit of uh, enthusiasm coming into the season because they went five and five last year, had some good things happen this year. It has not really been the case uh, right now. Let's start it off with their defense. Uh, USC fans and attendees right now. Missouri has the next to last worst rushing defense in the country. So it seems to be simple. USC should just line up and run the ball. But we all know it's probably never going to be that simple. And as Shane Beamer said, they held Georgia pretty much down on the running game for the whole first half. Tim, what have you seen from Missouri's uh, defense rushing in overall? 
Yeah, kind of the same thing. And we're going to have to kind of mix it up against them. You know, they've seen the tape, but they're, they're going to look, they're going to try loading the box, taking away our running game uh, because number one, their strength is not against a run. So they're going to have to bring extra guys down in the box. And two, they, they don't want to get us on track with our running game because they know they've seen it. It kind of opens up the whole thing for South Carolina. So I, I expect them to try to take that away. Uh, don't, I, I don't expect South Carolina to do uh, a, a Florida and pass for the first 15 plays of the game. I expect them to try keeping uh, Missouri honest to kind of pound them with the run. And if we get it going, it, it might be a long day for that Missouri defense. That's the main thing, Tim. I mean, you, you have some some success one week, and you did it because of running the ball and letting your quarterback just do what he does. So the tendency may be, well, I think you should just do that again, but we all know it's never that simple from a play calling standpoint. So I think with Marcus Satterfield, the challenge facing him is like, hey, don't try to get too cute. Just just be basic. Just do what works. And I think that after a game uh, where he had some success, he knows that. So to you, uh, Pops, do you think it's, it's really up to that offensive play calling uh, capability and saying, listen, don't stray too far out of the box. Just do what you're good at, and that should be enough to beat these guys. Yeah, absolutely. He, obviously, he'll, he'll have to come up with a few uh, new wrinkles, uh, some approach that they, they might not uh, they, they might not have – they might have saw some tendencies in South Carolina, get away from those tendencies for a little bit, but kind of stay true to what you are. You know what, what now has been successful for you. Uh, stay with it and, uh, and like I said, you know, kind of pound forward and kind of dictate – let us dictate what the game's going to be instead of uh, Missouri doing it. For USC defensively, Pops, they're kind of facing the same thing in Missouri that Missouri has seen from South Carolina. Uh, the Tigers are pretty much deciding between their two backup quarterbacks because Connor Basilek is, uh, you know, at least questionable, may not play this game because he didn't play last week. So it's always tough to prepare for two quarterbacks. But what do you think USC's defense has to do to shut down Missouri, no matter who trots out there under center? Well, definitely get pressure. And I think South Carolina has been good at that all year. Every game they seem to be able to – the, the pressure is getting a little more intense on teams as the season goes along because we're starting to find who's actually fitting on the you know, on this offense. You know, it's determined basketball is shorting uh, – you want to shorten the rotation. South Carolina has kind of done that defensively. They kind of know who's going to be able to do what for South Carolina defensively. So now they're getting those guys in position to be successful – and I think we're going to continue to, to bring pressure now. It definitely helps our back end because, you know, we've had some problems in the you know, defensive secondary with some long balls and stuff like that. We need to keep things in front of us. And that starts with bringing pressure and not allowing a quarterback a lot of time and to go through his progressions. Yeah, and, and one thing about that, uh, Pops, you know, they've been – uh, getting pressure pretty good. But of course, a lot of times the way the game is these days, quarterbacks are getting the ball out really quickly and it kind of negates that pressure. However, with Missouri, they like to run the ball. They're pretty explosive in the run game, but it's one of those where they'll hit a lot of big plays per game, but they're not so good down to down. So it's, of course, it sounds simple. Hey, you got to stop the explosive plays. How easy is it to do that to try to take away a team's explosive plays? Well, you have to keep gap integrity on defense, you, you know, and we've gotten better with that as the year goes along. Uh, beginning of the year, we were getting hit up pretty good in the run game because we weren't keeping gap integrity and running backs were getting to the second level. So now we're getting hands on guys as they're coming through the hole. We have guys filling holes, being where they're supposed to be, uh, and that slows down the run. 
you keeping stuff in front of you and uh, you Jalen Foster guys like that are making good plays coming down in the box and helping out uh, early. So keep that up. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, Missouri is not going to be great in the passing game. So you want to kind of shut down their running game, just like they're looking to do to us. And USC Missouri pops. It's always been kind of a weird series. Just think of everything we've seen in this, you know, South Carolina has a 13 point lead with seven minutes to go in the fourth blows the game. Missouri's up 17 to nothing at the end of three when they're number five in the country. Connor Shaw comes off the bench and wins that game. Michael Skarnecchia takes over and wins a game in a monsoon. Just, it's a strange series. It's been a lot of weird games out at Missouri. Uh, obviously, you didn't get a chance to play there, Pops, but what have you seen from USC approaching this game in Columbia to some things they got to watch out for on that field? Right, well, you know, I played against Missouri my, my uh, last year in the Independence Bowl, and we were up big, uh, and uh, they came back and won that game uh, at the end of the game. So uh, I, I know the kind of problems we've had with Missouri in the past. Uh, Columbia, Missouri is a kind of a weird, uh, strange place to play, uh, and it's just one of those, you know, like in boxing, matchups, uh, styles make, uh, you know, make the matchup, and this is one of those where South Carolina and Missouri at times could kind of mirror each other, and, uh, you know, we're just going to have to play a better game Saturday than they do. We got, like I said, we have to impose our will on them. And uh, Columbia, Missouri is not an e easy place to play. But I think we, we have some momentum going on our side. And uh, right. we, we can carry that in. We know everything's in front of us right now. We can get bowl eligible uh, with a win in uh, Missouri. And uh, I think, you know, guys kind of know that. And they're going to have an ultimate effort on Saturday. That's, that's where, uh, you know, Pops, I'm not trying to be David Downer here or anything like that, but this is South Carolina football. We've seen some opportunities like this to where you think everything's fixed and you're going into a game that you should win, and then the bottom falls out. The one I always think about is the loss at Kentucky in 2010, a week after beating number one Alabama. So what's the biggest thing about getting over that mental hurdle of saying, hey, you know, maybe they've been here before, and it's, it's not happened for whatever reason. What are the Gamecocks got to do to say, you just can't even think about that, go out, play your game? Right. Well, first of all, you know, this is a, a whole new regime. So these, a lot of these players, they have no idea kind of the past history. You know, if it's not two, three years ago, uh, they don't remember it. So I, I think it's all about the culture that's going on within the South Carolina locker room right now. They have a chance to, you know, set a new tone, to, mm -hmm. to go in there and, you know, forget the past and say, this is South Carolina football, set the new tone. And I think that's what they do. You know, I, I really think that uh, uh, Coach Beamer, you know, has these guys kind of, uh, you know, playing uh, not, I wouldn't say up to their potential yet because we're not there, but they're playing with effort. Uh, you see that they don't quit on games. And if you can keep that up, you know, you can have success. And I think South Carolina can do that on Saturday. It's one thing, it's one thing that, that I'm glad you brought it up too. None of these guys were around of the, the returning players for this team. What they've pretty much known is disappointment. They've only won six games before in the first two or the two seasons before this one. So they're not thinking about any of that. And I thought Nick Muse answered it perfectly the other day when someone asked him, Nick, do you think about winning six and getting bulged? When he said, No, I think about winning all three of these and being eight and four. 
So that is still very much on the table. It's strange how much one win can really change the direction of a season, but that's where South Carolina is right now. So they can, uh, they're favored in this game, I think. Um, and they can go with a bowl game in Shane Beamer's first season, especially with what he came into. How much would that be? How much would that mean? Oh, that would be, I mean, that would be great. Number one, obviously, everybody always says for the bowl practices because, you know, you get those extra practices in. But just for the program, as a first-year coach coming in, of course, a, a lot of doubt earlier, a lot of questions started popping up early, you know. And I think he's weathered that storm. And uh, now he has us in position uh, to do what we thought, you know, could be possible this season from him. That would be big for this for, uh, first year for uh, for Beamer, and uh, I think we can do it. <laughs> Absolutely, and now to get to my favorite part of the program, Pops, just talking about your career at South Carolina. For the audience who doesn't know, go ahead and fill them in about how you got to South Carolina and how you became part of the football team. Right, well, you know, obviously I, I was a, an Army veteran, uh, served 20 years in the military. Uh, my it, it was weird because my, my, my first assignment – was actually here at uh, South Carolina from 84 to 88. So some great years for South Carolina. So I, I grew up a Penn State fan, uh, but, you know, I came down here and, you know, saw this team doing well, kind of uh, adopted them uh, as my team. And, uh, you know, six, you know, six, I did my first four years here, 16 years later after that, uh, you know, I'm coming back to school and, uh, you know, it came down between Penn State and South Carolina. Uh, and uh, Coach Holtz was here. Uh, offered Both uh, Coach Paterno and Holtz offered me opportunities to come on, uh, try out as a walk-on. Uh, this fit perfectly because I was here. I was here at South Carolina. Like I said, uh, a program that I liked and uh, was able to make that team. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history from there. But, uh, they, you know, that was my path to uh, South Carolina. And how old were you, Pops, when you first joined the team? I was 39. When I joined the team, uh, obviously I was close to 41 when uh, it was all over. Uh, but like I said, some of the best years of my life uh, wouldn't do it any differently. People ask, would I do it differently? No, I mean, uh, I think everything played out how it was supposed to. And who actually gave you the nickname Pops? Was it a group of players or just one? Well, it was actually Coach Stockstill, who's the uh, coach at Middle Tennessee State now. He came up with the name, but co – uh, Troy Williamson's the one that made it stick because, you know, uh, the comment was, you know, we were sitting in the receiver's room. Coach Stockstill didn't know how old I was. They, the team didn't know how old I was until after I had made the team. Spring practice was basically over. We were uh, in summer conditioning. And uh, Troy Williamson says, yeah, you know, uh, Frisbee, he's 39 years old. And Coach, and, uh, Coach Stockstill was like, man, he's as old as my pops. And, uh, and Troy was like, that's what we're going to call you. And I was like, no, no. I said, how about old school, something like that? He was like, no, it's going to be pop. So that's kind of uh stock still came up with it, but Troy Williamson kind of made it stick. Of course, Tim, the story gets known, you know, it's getting out there and all of a sudden Jay Leno's calling and David Letterman's calling. I mean, how, how unbelievable was that for you to have had this run and be like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to be on national TV talking to these guys and not playing football. Just what were those experiences like? Oh, it was it, you know, it was awesome, but more importantly, it was great for South Carolina football, for the team, because everywhere I went, I was able to represent South Carolina. So to put South Carolina on that national stage, along with me, along with my teammates, 
I tried to involve the teammates in everything I did. Cause like, you know, like you said, you know, uh, Leno Letterman today show was here in Columbia for a week. They mm-hmm. did a piece. So uh, ESPN, uh, Tom Rinaldi did one, you know, so it was, you know, involving them in everything and them being able to share that journey. And then the school being able to, you know, capitalize and uh, have a national footprint from it. It, it. I mean, it was just awesome. Worked out for everybody. Yeah. Now, Pops, if I recall, the rights to your story got sold as a movie, right? Or a movie script. Did anything ever come of that? It did. Uh, and, you know, it, it's funny because it does come up every once in a while. Uh, it was sold uh, the rights to Warner Brothers, I believe. Okay. Uh, obviously, it was on a we, it was on a short term. That way we could get the rights back if nothing was done immediately. And, you know, in Hollywood, this is how these things go. Yeah. Sometimes it's 20 years, 25 years down the line before something gets done. So uh, it comes up every once in a while. I'll get a call and uh, somebody will start talking about it. So hopefully one of these days we'll see uh, South Carolina on the big screen. That would be pretty neat. And obviously it kind of fits in the way this season is going with Zeb Nolan kind of starting and now Jason Brown being the third stringer and got a chance to really take these guys forward. I don't know if you've seen Jason Brown's impression of their water boy. It's on uh, some social media. Have you seen that one yet? Yeah, I absolutely saw that. That was, uh, that's some funny stuff. Uh, Uh, He's spot on. I'm just saying, hey, kid. Great, but don't quit your day job. You know? There you go. There you go. And then, you know, Pops, of course, you're, you're getting on the field. What did it mean to you to not only get on the field that first time and to catch that pass? Oh, I, it, I mean, obviously, that's what I was there for. Uh, even from the from the beginning, from the very beginning, and we talked with coaches, uh, didn't want to be a hood ornament at all. I came right. here to play. That's what I wanted to do. So, uh, you know, I played special teams. Uh, played receiver when they, you know, when it, the, the time uh, was allowable to do that. And uh, that's what I, you know, that's what I was here to do, play football. And uh, that's, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was uh, outstanding time. Absolutely. And uh, as you've gone through, you know, you know, staying in South Carolina, staying around the Columbia area, Tim, how much have you been around the program? Have you talked to them all in the years since? Or are you a guy that kind of comes around a good bit of practice and all that? Yeah, and, and it's funny because uh, before COVID started, they had a list of players and coaches and things that were going to come in and talk to the team, and I was one of them, uh, but that stuff got canceled. So uh, hopefully later down the line that's going to happen, uh, be able to get in and talk with the team, but obviously uh, keep up with the program. I do our own uh, our own post-game show on uh, the WVOC uh, after the games uh, each Saturday, so – uh, obviously, stay in touch with the program. Uh, love the program. Uh, love the fans. And like I said, no better place to be. Yeah, it's been a real interesting run for South Carolina football these past few years, Tim. I mean, obviously, things weren't going well. A lot of excitement created when Shane Beamer got hired. And then, you know, the season started out. And while the specifically the offense wasn't looking very good, the team was still four and four. So they hit these last four games. They are five games. They beat Florida and now they've got three left. So, I mean, the road is wide open for them. How or what do they have to do to kind of get in the mental frame of mind to say, okay, this is ours. We can still turn this into a fantastic season. Well, well, obviously take this one game at a time. You can't look forward. And I I don't think they will. Uh, You know, I think the focus is on Saturday here. You get this one in Missouri and then it's really starting with this Florida game, a snowball effect. And, Great things happen when the, when momentum and stuff starts building up. So you get this game against Missouri, 
you've beaten Auburn last year, so you had a taste in the mouth. A lot of these guys know what it is to uh, to beat an Auburn team. And then you catch, uh, you know, Clemson here in not such a great year. It's always – it kind of harkens back to the days where you throw the records out the window, and mm-hmm. it was always a dogfight regardless of – we actually need to get back to that, that right. regardless right. of records, we make this a dogfight. And uh, I think that game's going to be a dogfight here in Columbia. So you get you, you get the win Saturday, and you really start uh, this big momentum push. Now, speaking of Clemson, Tim, were you on the team in 2005 when Spurrier went up there and won? I was, yes. Yeah, okay. What do you remember yeah. about that game? I mean, I obviously remember how the ending was, but what did that mean to you to not only be a part of a huge win on the road, but a win against Clemson on the road? Well, you know, it's always great to get a win there, but that that was kind of the start of everything. You know, mm-hmm. uh, 2004, uh, we weren't able to beat them. That was the fight game. Uh, 2005 was uh, a game we should have won here in Columbia, 13 to nine, uh, had them pinned back. I think it was like third and 15 and Charlie Whitehurst gets third and 15 and an inch or third, you know, and they get the first down and, and go on and hold on to that game. That was a 13-9 game. But, uh, you know, to get a win up there to kind of start this, you know, start that Spurrier era of dominance over uh, over Clemson, that's a big thing. And, and you you have to start somewhere. That, you know, everybody stands on the shoulders of somewhere else, of somebody else. You know, this could be a team that could could, could start something new for South Carolina as far as that series is concerned. Yeah, it's kind of a strange thing. You know, they're ending the year with three straight Tigers, Missouri, Auburn, then Clemson, but they got two of them at home. And, of course, starting this weekend in Columbia, Missouri. So uh, you, you look at this Missouri game. We've already discussed the offense and the defense. What's one other, uh, I guess, intangible or just a focus key of the game that the Gamecocks have got to take care of to win this game on Saturday? Well, we've, that, we've been plus in turnovers all season. Let's right. keep that up. If we can uh, get a turnover or two and then not only get them but convert them into points like we've been able to do, Let's make this. Let's make this like the Florida game. Let's make the job easy on Saturday instead of uh, it coming down to the wire. You know, let's get out ahead and uh, keep our foot on the gas uh, and 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 do some things here. So I think uh, that's what I'm looking forward to to see that if we can build on the momentum we built uh, against Florida, stay uh, positive in the turnover game, be able to execute our offense, uh, keep stuff in front of us on defense. I think uh, the game can be ours on Saturday. That's one thing. Clayton White's defense has really played a terrific season, multiple takeaways in almost every game so far. And it's hard enough to get one. But when you're getting multiple takeaways and then you've got four defensive touchdowns for the season, that really says something that gets your confidence going. And Tim, you know how hard it is to count on getting a turnover every game, but the Gamecocks sure seem to have done it. I mean, what do you think the secret is to say it's like you're confident, but these things don't just come along every way. Somehow they they keep falling into USC hands. Yeah, well, I think it comes down to they're more confident in what they need to be doing. They're more confident in the scheme on defense. So last year, they were doing a lot of thinking, and you start thinking too much on defense, you get out of uh, place, you bust coverage and stuff like that. It's a problem. I think these guys know where they're supposed to be. Once in a while, you're going to see a bus coverage that that happens. But for the most part, they're confident in their ability to uh, to have knowledge of this defense. And I think then you're able to react to things, uh, to react to uh, and to be, uh, you know, to be ahead of the game uh, as far as, uh, you know, doing things defensively instead of reacting to what they're doing. 
And uh, you know, that's why, why South Carolina has been able to be successful. Uh, and also, also have to mention special teams have been great this year. Can't leave out Parker White. And really, other than that long kickoff return against Texas A&M, special teams have been pretty solid as far as uh, giving us good starting positions and uh, defense taking over. That's one thing. Shane made an outstanding hire with Pete Limbo taking over those special teams. Uh, and obviously, you know, Parker White speaks for himself because he's been here for so long. But the freshman emergence of Juju McDowell on returns and the fact that they're not really giving up a lot outside of that punt return against Texas A&M, it looks like they've got the foundation to build a very solid base. Uh, Pops, you know, I'll leave you with this. Just how or what do you think, uh, you know, of Shane's initial uh, you know, building of that foundation, a good first step to take before he heads into next year. How, how good do you think it's been so far? Well, you know, I, I think the effort's been great. Uh, obviously, as we're closing out this season and we're getting closer to the goals, some of the goals that uh, he had for the program, we're seeing these things come to fruition. So if, if uh, he can keep that up, like he said, he said in his press conference, you know, ignore the outside noise because there's going to be a lot of that. It's hard to, for you to ignore that with social media the way it is these days. But, hey, just like your players, stay off the social media, ignore the outside noise, do what you need to do on the field. And uh, I think he's laid a, a great foundation so far. Let's go ahead and now start building on that foundation. Absolutely. Well, uh, that about wraps it up for uh, David Kloniger and Tim Pops Frisbee. Uh, Pops, I want to thank you for joining me here today. Gamecocks will kick off at 4 o'clock Eastern time in Columbia, Missouri on Saturday. If you're going, it's going to be 3 o'clock. And also, if you're going, wear something warm. It's going to be pretty chilly. But USC's got a chance to get bowl eligible this weekend, which for a first year, that would be a tremendous accomplishment. I'm David Kloniger from the Post and Courier, a countdown to kickoff in Gamecocks now. For Tim Pops Frisbee, thanks again for joining me, and we'll see you next week.